Welcome back, listeners, to the Modern History HSC podcast. Um, we're both running on dad time today, me and my guest, Chris. Um, so please excuse us if we have any rude interruptions from our um, offspring coming in. But this is, this is post-Christmas territory. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Post-Christmas um, with toddlers. Yeah, yeah. I know all the dads out there listening will, will feel sorry for us, but if not, um, you're just going to have to bear with it. Anyway, welcome to 2023. This is probably a little bit late because we're going to be doing a year in review. And what I wanted to do was get Chris Parker, the host, the production manager, the uh, voice actor, just the whole the whole show um, of the Modern History Podcast. How are you going, Chris? Mate, I'm well. I'm well. It's it's really good to be here. I'd like to thank you for asking me on the show. Yeah. It's no, nice I... to be on a show that I'm not going to have to edit after we make it. So that's that's a real treat. Yeah. For the people who want the um the backroom the backroom baseball I don't know what the saying is I'm forgetting um we were just talking about the woes of editing and how you know do you have to remove swear words how do you remove out the blank spots what happens if you have like a guest who's taking their time or like for me like a student taking their time to think about what they're going to say um and that's all going to flow into today's episode um of talking to Chris about his show what's on offer if you're one of my listeners I really want you to go check out Chris's show but hopefully you should be convinced by the end of this episode so Chris before we get into the podcast of modern history can you start off by giving me your teacher origin story because the last guest I had on gave me his and it was really interesting so I'd love to hear yours look I've thought about this question a lot why did I become a teacher I've got 10 and a half years before the mast served time served on the uh, on the flying dutchman of the department of education um mm. man my origin story was honestly founded in history like i remember leaving school i had no in- intentions of being a teacher when i was in school that was the very worst thing i could have ever imagined for myself i was far more ambitious uh, but, <laughs> but i i remember getting to this point where i was just like well how on earth can i live a life that's financially stable that is obsessed with history because as you would well know any professional historian lives their life from grant to grant or from uh, editing co- writing contract to writing contract there's no sustainable way to make it in history if you want to have a family at the same time i mean you can if you've got maybe perhaps a wealthy trust fund uh whatever behind you but um yeah so i wanted to get into something to do with that so history is 100 the reason behind why I went into teaching and I guess I was pleasantly surprised probably within the first 12 to 24 months about why I stayed, because as you'd also be aware, I'm sure it's the same in New South Wales. The teacher burnout rate is quite astonishing. The amount of teachers who who go and accrue a hex debt only to turn around and begin work at Coles to pay it off. Um, So, but the, what astonished me was, I guess uh, I never expected to find such joy in seeing kids unlock history. I've always had a very, um, Oh, I wouldn't use the word dark. Uh, I would use the term left of center uh, view of history in the sense that I don't necessarily believe in baddies or goodies. Um, mm. And I'm obsessed with the narrative. I know that some people are very drawn to history because they love the details. They love sinking their teeth into the, the juicy gore of, 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 of referencing and, and, and research. <laughs> and honestly, I can't think of anything damn or worse. And I think that that's t- different horses to different courses. You know, I love the narrative. So when it comes to parts of history that I'm drawn to, it's the ones that have really got a good story. And I'm yet to find any historical event, person or idea that doesn't have a good story. And so that's why I stay teaching because I love the uh, the spark that my students get when when you can make something as dull as 
as perhaps the gold rush in Australia sound really interesting to them and and uh, and that kind of stuff. So why I became a teacher and why I stay a teacher are two different things. But like I said, 10 and a half years before the mast, no sign of uh, winding down just yet. Well, that's really good to hear because like you were saying with the teacher burnout, we can't, af- can't afford to, to lose anymore, especially at this point. And yeah, it really sounds like you're interested by the by the challenge of like you said like the gold rush trying to take the textbook chuck it in the bin and just be like right kids yeah. i'm going to tell you all the all the really good bits and, and let's it, forget about the dates that's exactly uh, you, you know your vision envision the way that birds would eat grubs and then later vomit them up to feed their young i mean <laughs> i think that those textbooks are, are grubs for teachers and and we should devour them and then we have to regurgitate them in a way that seems more appealing to the chicks yeah, <laughs> and I yeah. use chicks as in young person, not as in women, because that would be yeah. weird. I mean, there's no... <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But, uh, yeah, and, and that's I think what the challenge is. I think the challenge is making that sort of stuff relevant. I think that's the number one word. I think when it comes to teaching history, if you can't make it relevant, then get out. You know, like if, if you're a teacher who says I'm going to teach history, not to say you are, but if one is a teacher and they say, oh. I'm here to teach history and all they're going off is literally what they've read. And there's no passion and there's no enthusiasm. Then bitch, stop wasting your time. Like literally just go because you're going to do more damage for both their education and history. If you stay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Try something else or yeah. Try something like go to Coles. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Or teach or, math. <laughs> or teach. You know, I've always, and this might go off on a little bit of a tangent, but I've always thought I'd love like a year seven math class. And maybe, hopefully my principal is not listening because I'm not 100% sure on this, but just to be like, what could I do with a year seven math class if I just took the textbook and just threw it in the bin or put it in the yeah. shredder and was like, God, there's got to be some other way to do this. But anyway, let's get on to the show itself. So let's do it. You're talking about trying to make things relevant. I'm assuming that might have something to do with why you're having a crack at this podcast thing over the last 12 months. Yeah. So tell me about that. Where did this idea for the podcast for Modern History come along? Well, I guess it comes from, like I just said, trying to trying to enforce that relevance. But it's also we live in a TikTok world where we're surrounded by TikTok heads everywhere. And so that means that the attention span is now equals that of a mosquito. And we have to try in a way to get like i said that narrative such laser precision to get it in to make kids go i'm hooked i'm in i'm keen on this so i thought if i created a show that was really just about talking about uh the the most interesting the most relevant parts to to the the target audience which is 16 year olds to above um and i say that that because purely because as you would know as a listener some of our content's not suitable for people who are under 16 but I'm trying to create something that was both still authentically history without being a sellout um, and something that sort of got got the interest of that TikTok generation. But I'm not on TikTok and I never will be on TikTok, but and, and I find it really hard to keep up in that that short attention span world. Hmm. Um, so even I know that for some people, even modern history podcasts are too long. And to those people, I'd say, well, check yourself, because if you haven't got half an hour to commit to developing your brain and learning something fantastic about your species and what they've been through to put you here, then it's probably not much I can do to help you. Son. So I think that modern history came from that. And the idea came to me, actually, I'd been out for a run. It was the middle of lockdown, which, by the way, was the best time of my life. Um, 
But during lockdown, <laughs> I was I was out for a run and I stopped under a tree and I thought, how can I do this? And I was actually listening to a podcast and this podcast was a huge inspiration. It's Greg Jenner's You're Dead to Me by B- on, on the BBC. And, uh, and I remember listening to that going, he has just made this so, so trendy. He has the way that he just talks about history and his, the way that he operates, as, as you might know, if you're a listener of that, is that they get a comedian on as well as an expert. And I thought that's a really, a really clever recipe. Yeah. And people who know me um, for one reason or another tend to think that I'm funny. I don't know. They think that I'm joking most of the time, but more often than not, I'm not. Um, so I tried to Im- sort of imbue that humor into the irreverent teaching of history. So that was the motivation. I guess in a nutshell, horrible histories for young adults is the kind of vibe that I was going for. Because drunk history on the comedy channel, whatever it is, that's too far up. Like where I, there was a real, I, I felt that there was nothing sitting there for our students in grade 10, 11, and 12 yep. who want to know more. Yeah, who want to know more, more than like the like the seven seconds. And just a, maybe a bit of all, more of a comment on what you were saying of like, it seems to be harder and harder to keep their attention. I'm finding even when kids like you send them on a research task to like Google something and now yeah. Google does the auto populate in that top little paragraph of like, here's the answer. Yeah. And like, they don't even click on the web page anymore. They don't. It's, they it's they even the, <laughs> we're both about to cry into like the camera, but we're just like, they're like, sir, I can't find it. Like the answer and, doesn't and- exist. And, you know, so often it's pretty easy for us as teachers to throw our hands up and go, oh, you moron. But at the same yeah. time, this is the world that they've been born and bred into. And I, yeah. it's more to be pitied than despised in a way. Like these guys have like, because, I mean, without the risk of sounding condescending, this is probably what a lot of their parents are doing when it comes to knowing a thing or two. Like I know I, yesterday I had to change a washer in a tap and I didn't research that. I looked at the yeah. first thing that I could. I'm as guilty of it as they are. Yeah. But so it's it's the world that we live in. And so what I think is important is that we get, as often as we can, like you say, those that first that that first impression that they get from that Google search, mm. that first impression they get from a podcast, that first impression they get from YouTube or whatever else it is that they're getting it from. Yeah, first impression is so important to make them want to know more. And on that topic, I guess my grandfather, God rest his soul, he he was a huge enemy. He was a big history file but hated historical films for their inaccuracies. I remember him one day just about blowing a gasket from watching Mel Gibson's Braveheart because the idea of the Princess of Wales uh, having a romantic rendezvous with William Wallace and somehow falling pregnant to him. I remember him just, <laughs> you know, nearly having a, a conniption about that. And I considered, as I got older, I considered that concept and I realised, well, you know what, it certainly made me as a young guy want to know more about it. Now, I know that that's bullshit. I know that the Princess of Wales never met William Wallace and that quite a large portion of Scottish people and nobility didn't like William Wallace themselves. That was a hero film that was made sort of, I guess, in a very American way. Yeah. But, but that's led to me now understanding who Edward the first was and that Mm -hmm. whole relationship between England and Scotland at the time and how they even got there. So I guess that, that, that snippets of that TikTok stuff or that TikTok generation uh, and, and social media world and that snippets from Google, like you just mentioned, they, as much as that sucks, it doesn't so much provided it gives to something bigger. Yeah, it's good. They're like little like, breadcrumbs. Yes, and we have yeah. to make them hungry for, as provided they're not gluten free. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think that we need to make sure that, that that our, I guess, our job as teachers and podcasters is to help them digest those breadcrumbs a bit more, eh? Yeah, you know, eat a little bit more than the breadcrumbs, eat the entire loaf, and until I think eventually maybe... we get them, yeah, to the to the house made of candy and gingerbread, and we lock them in, and that's it. You... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> cook them up, and I don't know where this metaphor is going. <laughs> um, your favorite episode. So you did six, mm. is that correct? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't I've, miscount them. Yeah, no, I've done six in the in the first season, and and um, look like I mean, 
thoughts about second season going forward still still rolling around about where we're going there uh favorite episode from season one I'd probably have to say I, I really enjoyed the Vikings episode. The way that Tom talked about that, uh, the way that he was so passionate and enthusiastic. Yeah. He, he, he's a medieval reenactor, so he's an absolute loser. God, I love him, but <laughs> like, I mean, I love. He I, did I love have the guys. passion. Yeah, he did. He was so enthusiastic. It made me. It, it, it's he was he never mind the breadcrumbs. He was spitting out the whole slices, right? So I really liked that. But interestingly, it didn't it didn't do too well. On the data, in comparison to the other podcasts, I was really quite surprised. Yeah, that the Vikings one didn't quite quite rate as high. I liked them all, but yeah, I'd probably say I, I and that's probably taking on to the next question. I learned a lot from Tom about Vikings and Viking history there. Yeah, um, as someone who probably went into that podcast as a bit of a cynic, I think Vikings are horrendously overrated, and I still do. Yeah, um, but I definitely learned a lot from that. What was your favorite? <laughs> what was my favorite podcast? Um, so yeah, I'm a big Cold War like buff. It's one of the major topics that I take on for the HSC. So I did like that one. It was a nice overview, but similar in the way that you were just talking about, say, the Vikings. I always thought like, you know, the Aztecs are a bit overrated, but like yeah. when I sent you a message and stuff at the end that like this episode was great. Like I learned so much about the Aztecs in 30 minutes and got a different perspective that like I'd never heard of before about the Spanish and or like the natives not being completely innocent and you know oh they were just massacred by the by the Spanish and it was all one-sided black and white and because I've never followed that particular breadcrumb line like mm. I've picked other ones there's so many to choose that I've always just kind of stopped there and just thought like you know, it's just like the road the road to El Dorado. It's just that movie and that's all it is. <laughs> yeah. And I guess that's part of our education as well as we were growing up. You know, I feel like for much of our life, history was very one-sided. And then we've reached this point of, for lack of a better word, wokeism. And we now see the anti-colonial sentiment, the the alternate narrative to colonial history being told. Yeah. And so I think it's, that's, I think in some ways, and this is probably going to ruffle some feathers, but that's okay. Feathers are meant to be ruffled. Yeah. I, I think that that's as dangerous as the first one. I think that history has to remain balanced. I think it's very important that we have both a colonial and an anti-colonial view on history. I don't think one is better than the other. I think they are equally as important. But I do think it is sometimes, particularly when, it, when the new idea comes out, you know, new research services about perhaps how the Spanish behaved or something, some atrocity that was committed by a, a Western power, that that Western history itself gets demolished um, in many ways, it gets steamrolled off the scene, and then you end up with a very pro, or a very anti-colonial version of history with twenty percent wafer of colonialism there as a history. Yeah. And so, as a teacher, I constantly try to check myself and make sure that balance. And one of the things that I teach for senior modern is is the frontier wars. And I remember working with uh, Liam, who you would have heard in the Eureka Stockade uh, episode. He, we, we, when we were writing that 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 study program we were looking at it going right well i want to make sure that we do have an equal balance of history here we need to talk about the frontier wars but we're not going to talk about it solely from a, a position of uh the victim uh, uh or from the victor we need to look at it from an equal perspective and let kids decide uh through research and then prove uh yeah. what they what they believe or or de determine from that situation yeah. So again, with yeah, so so with that Aztecs podcast, we did try to do that. So I'm glad to know that at least one of those things was a success. Um, yeah. Was that we sort of didn't want to necessarily paint uh, Hernan Cortez as you know El Diablo. We we sort of wanted to to make it a little bit more 
Because I, I actually, I'm with you. I think that Montezuma was a bit of a limp-wristed flake. I mean, the guy got taken out by a rock. Like, yeah. not to say, I mean, I mean, a rock would kill me. I'm just as much a limp-wristed flake. Don't get me wrong. But history yeah. hasn't recorded me as some champion warrior. I mean, I'm not being emulated in video games as this buff, you know, Aztec leader. Yeah. He is. But yeah. is that true? Like, Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> and, and I think it's really good, like you were saying, you, you know, you've got to present the the white armband history and the black armband history, like as a platter together, because otherwise kids today, they don't really get to make their own choices on things because like even, and I was talking about this a little bit in some generation podcasts I was doing recently over the Christmas break. Yes, and yeah, just I, looking I at some of those. Yeah. About the, how to survive Christmas. with Jen, with Jen, Jen, Jen. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but one particularly about like the music and stuff, how they've gone from having like very limited choice to abundant choice to like the future generation is like, there's no choice. The AI just mm. knows like what you want to hear. So perhaps in our classes or like with the podcast and like, they should listen to yours. They should listen to mine. They should go to listen to somebody completely different who doesn't agree with us. And Absolutely. then find you out. End up, otherwise you sit. end up in this, in this communal circle jerk where everyone just tells everyone what they want to hear. And it yeah. happens. It that was so highlighted during the, the pandemic. Like you had these yeah. people forming two different tribes about vaccines and mm. they literally would come to you and say to me oh look let, you know this thing that i've read it's changed my life you need to read it it's like well i did read it and i just thought it was rubbish you know i'm not not a you know it's this whole idea of making one's own mind up but they only shared information with the kind of people who were like-minded and that's such a dangerous move yeah just like an and echo a chamber stupid one it is an echo chamber of bullshit like it just goes backwards and forwards non-stop yep absolutely <laughs> um the next question that we had lined up was which episode did you learn the most from from your guests and i guess you kind of already said that which was the vikings yeah, episode and i did and as much as as much as i learned a lot, i've learned a lot from all of them because i've tried to um Oh, thank you. I just got delivered a yogurt. Bye. <laughs> um, I would probably say that I learned a stack load from everyone because the the way that I'd set up the first season um, was to have someone on every episode who I considered an expert. And what I determined as being an expert is someone who is so passionate about something that they actually spend their own free time unpaid learning about it and yeah. so like and and nate was obsessed with the cold war in the way that you are and as a result he's read every book he's watched everything you know that kind of stuff and i'm probably a little bit like that when it comes to mid medieval history um and and holcomb was the same with with eureka stockade he reads this stuff for fun um so i thought you know get these people on and i'll consider them experts because our kids are historians man like you know they're not making history as such yet but mm. by but by the act of the study of history, they are by definition historians. And so I didn't want them to feel like participating in this club of history was some sort of elitist activity that they you had to get a, a university degree in. And don't get me wrong, the experts have their place. I mean, they've got to write the books that we read in our free time, but yeah. I'm just talking about that. So I, and as a result, I'm sorry to waffle, you're gonna have to edit heaps of shit out of this. Um, as a result, I've learned heaps from, from every of the podcasts that, yeah. I, that I've been in, yeah. Well, that's excellent. And even the episode you were saying about the Vikings, how when you then have a look at the data and I've been like folly to this as well, like when you have a look at it, you're like, oh, why didn't that one do as well? Like for mine, it's if there's Nazis in the title, it always gets oh. twice as many downloads. And like, yeah, and I wish that people would go into like the other ones because I spend more time on like the other ones. But it just reminds me of one of the very first interviews I did with a guy from America. And he 
created this website called WTF happened in 1971. I don't know mm. if you've heard of it, but the website no, is the website's just a meme website where he's got all these graphs about what happened in the world or more particular in America after America went off the gold standard. Mm. So it could be very high profile. It could be like, you know, hard to get into the weeds, but it was basically showing this impression that it was bad. It was just bad mm. for America when it happened. And this website has got millions and millions of downloads. Jack Dorsey reshared it on his Twitter page and all these other sorts of things. And when I was speaking to him, I was like, how do you, did you like plan all this to happen? And he was saying, you know, no, I was just talking to my other like history college mate. And, you know, we were really interested to, into this and we were really nerdy about it. And we just put a get made this meme, but it's not for everybody. Mm. that it's only for 33%. He's like, a third of people will never click on it because they mm. think it's dumb. A third of people will, won't get past the first minute because I'm not telling them what to think and, like, they don't have the time. They're living in that TikTok, like, Vine sort of world. But he's oh, like, Vine, other- there's a blast from the past. Oh, my God. <laughs> I think Vine's coming back too. I hope I think they do. That was, yeah. <laughs> um, but those are just reels now, aren't they? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it feels like real. But, yeah, I don't know. There was just something magic about the Vine. I don't know if that was just the time. Yeah. 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 And then the last one was, and that last third, those are my people. They're the yeah. actual people who this is for, and I do not care about anybody else. So when you get those episodes like that, and say for myself, and when the downloads are not as much, I'm just like, meh. I've had to not look the- at the downloads. I've had to yeah. just not look at it because I started yeah. Modern Gistry just as an Instagram page, and it was just these short three-minute videos of me just giving the gist. Yeah. And then a, a, um, a former student actually reached out to me, and he said, that he loved it, but he wanted to take a next level when he'd come on board and do YouTube. And I thought, you know what, I'll give it a crack. I've never been a YouTube guy, but we'll give it a go. So we did our first episode on Idi Amin. Um, and that sort of, it, it actually did really quite well, but I just hated being on the uh, on, on YouTube and I hated doing the videos and I hated doing that kind of stuff. Um, Michael was doing a sensational job of the editing. Thank God I couldn't I couldn't do it to save my life. Yeah. But after two episodes of that, I said, I'm not about this. I want to go into a podcast. And he sort of warned me. He said, well, you're going to lose a big following. And I just said, but I'm not sure I'm going to lament them. You know, like, yeah. like, like you just said of that, that third, they're my people. It's like, well, the people who are listening to the podcast, even if it is only a couple of hundred here or whatever else in comparison to the YouTube views, yeah, they are the people who are, it matters to, you know what I mean? And I yeah. think that that's the same for, for your podcast too. It's like, we take a hit by not being part of TikTok, but, or, or whatever else, you know, that, that whole vibe. Yeah. We take, we take the popularity hit, but we didn't start this to be popular. No. I mean, we're mm. teachers. We're already super popular, aren't we? That's right. Naturally. Forgiven. <laughs> yeah. Really popular. Really good looking. It, yeah. <laughs> good the sport. kids would never admit it because they think it's social suicide, but every one of them knows deep down. And that's why every time they graduate, you get an influx of like requests on social media. It's like delete, 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 delete. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, you're not cool enough. You never work. <laughs> Let me know when you're working for the department. <laughs> yeah, I can handle I can handle you when I'm being paid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not in my spare time. <laughs> um, let's go on to bloopers do you have any bloopers for the year oh yes because i love swearing um and and so and so did every guest on the show <laughs> so I, I left a couple of swear words in there and one of the one of the cheats that i got um was i start every podcast as because we live in cancel culture right you know it's 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 the yeah. cancel world you know and i mean as soon as someone cancels me because of the pod something i say on the podcast well that's one less thing i have to do um <laughs> but <laughs> it's <laughs> i won't feel bad um 
I always put that disclaimer at the start saying, you know, warning, you know, historical content and bad words follow. And I always list the podcast as explicit, even though the swear words are beeped out and that kind of stuff, because people are, you know, they're softer than they used to be. And I think that they can get, you know, sticks and stones uh, break bones, but words do now as well. Um, So I'm sort of careful with that kind of stuff. Uh, So naturally we have heaps of bloopers and, and with the swearing aside, often there are tangents that end up, they end up so dark. They <laughs> were almost, they were almost on the set for Dharma on Netflix, yeah. man. They were so... <laughs> You're just like, they, whoa. Oh, I know. And I mean, it, particularly, and they normally, they normally go south really quickly about people that we're not allowed to bully like princess diana or or um or someone like that or, or martin luther king or, or whoever else is like yeah. you can't say bad things about these people it's like well well they did these oh, things yeah, they, yeah they, they weren't perfect you know so that's our mm. bloopers are and, and they were they were terrifically fun when they were on youtube the bloopers on youtube were pretty funny um yeah. and occasionally i'd upload them on instagram but um yeah how about you do you often because you like you're largely a one-man show though hey like in the sense that yeah you ever swear at yourself on the podcast? <laughs> Do I swear? At no, it's normally like once I get going, it's just like a like a ball gathering moss or like a boulder gathering moss down the hill. It's just bang, bang, bang. But normally when I'm like rough, sitting in the computer lab at the school and like trying to get stuff going and it's just like just starting the podcast, sometimes it can be like, hello, and what? And then just... Mm-hmm. Mate, yeah, and just like, try that again you idiot try it again <laughs> it's always the same when i've got people on they always are so nervous until after that i've they've watched me make 400 mistakes on just the intro and they go yeah. all right i feel better now <laughs> or like when the other half of the show like i love the episodes when i get the class on because it's their yes. revision tool so yep. um some of them don't do as much revision as others. So when I like start off saying, right, I'm just here to, you know, help, like help out. And you guys are having the conversation, just go. And then when I come in and I'm doing 70% of the heavy lifting <laughs> of like, you prepared one sentence for this. It's just like you had a whole lesson and or like a lesson and a half to have notes and all those sorts of things. Sometimes it's like that. You're just like, ah, no, but it's okay. It's okay. Yeah, it, yeah. It's good that they're having a go and getting on because that in itself is a miracle. Surely they love being on the show, though. I mean, they they get a real kick from it. Um, I would say that there have been students in the past, and they would not be listening, um, who they just hated hearing the sound of their voice. Mm. So, like, they hate hearing the sound of their recording. Oh, well, if they voice, are listening, the... then we can probably assure them that we hated hearing it too. <laughs> they hated the pressure of it yeah. as well. It's just like having to, like, some people didn't like getting things wrong. It's just like, no, no, don't ask me the question about that because, like, I don't know the exact answer. And there's no amount of it's okay. Just like, just tell us what you think. And oh, if you're like, wrong, yeah. I'll come in and I'll maybe they don't like getting corrected. But like, if I ever said something it's, it's, wrong on a it's show, it's the shame. It's the shame. Like, it's the shame six, factor. It's when you're 16, when you're 15, like, you just compromise every aspect of who you are to yeah. not be noticed, you know? Yeah. And then, yeah, it's, it's a strange, it's a strange time, time of life. I mean, we've all been there. Yeah, but when I get some vapes and TNs, <laughs> yeah, let's not get started on those. <laughs> we had Pokemon, man, but we, <laughs> these guys, yeah, these Pokemon, guys. Digimon, Yu Gi Oh. Yeah, I wasn't I mean, blowing clouds in the bath in the bathroom. No, I'm old enough to have a Tamagotchi when I was in primary school, but there you go. That's a bit of history for you. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe you could just start <laughs> put modern history to the side, and you can just do like old nineties, um, you know, toys and memorabilia. <laughs> Yeah, or something I, like that. I think that's already been done. I think I follow it on Instagram <laughs> or Twitter or one of those things. 
Rightio, let's get into the fun round. It's not really the lightning round because that's trademarked for your particular podcast. Oh, they hate that. They hate that. <laughs> oh, you want to talk time, about that? <laughs> anytime someone comes on the show who's lit, like after just that first episode where we had the lightning round with um with 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 Nate, everyone just shits themselves. And I, I always <laughs> I, I don't tell them until the very, very end that I, I will actually hit stop record if they need to get a breath. Yep. And uh, so they don't know that, but, uh, and so I always make them do it. And there's been two who got it like first go, like within, within no, no areas. And, and that was, uh, well, Nate went over time. So he's failed us all in the last one in the Aztecs one. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I, th- I think it was Tom. Tom landed exactly on one minute with no edits. It was, it was brilliant. Yeah. Yep. But yes, but they do. Do you think that you've turned away potential guests are these all staff members or like they're yes, mixed they're all friends being, they're all my they're all in the same department one of them was actually my head of department so boa de yeah. which was delivered by by sally ryman she's um she is the real life boa de she is yeah. she's she tries to emulate her in just about every way as she says in the podcast and so i said to yeah. her one day you know on the podcast i'll have you on there so yeah they're all uh they're all um head, like one of them two of them have been heads of department um others of them have just been you know just like me just boring old plain teachers yeah so yeah just grunt just grunts and because like yeah. i said I, I could get a professional on the show but in my experience and this is certainly not all of them most of them are very dull and so uh, as, and also in australia um a lot of our experts are localized to australian history and yeah that's fine i know that everyone some people are, are really into us i know that you are i mean you've written a book on it so i know that you're really into australian history uh, i'm i'm not so much and so when it comes to i want to have a bit more of a broad strokes approach to, to that in that sense of, well, I also mm. want to go back further. And this is a debate. Sorry to go off on a tangent. No, no, go for it. I need to ask you an extremely important question. Okay. And it's if now you and I are both intelligent men. So we know that history is divided into three main eras. We have ancient, we have mm-hmm. medieval and yeah. we have modern. There are three, yeah. that's our three, but, but if you want to be as reductive and as a result, cruel as the, QCAA or um, which is the Queensland, um, oh my God, I should know this. Please edit this out. Queensland Curriculum Assessment Authority. Um, I'm pretty sure that's what it is. I don't know. I'm just calling QCAA. That's right. No, you should have just owned it. Nobody it. would have, nobody would have commented. Oh, okay. If you want to be as cruel as them, you're going to cleave it in half and you're going to only allow students to pick one, either ancient or modern. They could pick both, but they have to cut it in half. Now, good well, sir. Hold on, hold on. What do you mean? You, so when well, they're in the senior school, you're saying that they can't do we don't modern... offer, we don't yeah, we don't offer medieval studies, you know, for example. Oh, yeah, you know, there isn't a it's, medieval it's, study. Yep. That's right. Gotcha. So yep. where do you drop the axe that separates like like Marie Antoinette's neck, which separates ancient from modern? Ancient from modern. So I'm not having so I can't include the medieval one? No, because that has okay. to be included because yeah, it's part right, of history. Yeah. I've always thought that, and maybe it's a bit blurred and I can't really put it down to a date. It's just got something to do with like the Romans that like once the Romans fall, we're now moving into the, like the modern era. But even then, if you, if if I was going to think about a little bit more, when I think about the modern era, it's like, it's enlightenment, it's the industrialization. So really it should be like once the scientific theory begins and when there's like a pushback on superstition and the church and people are moving into the cities because it's really that and it's really the last 100 years like my whole brain is just dedicated to like the last 120 years and if you ask yeah. me anything beyond or like further beyond that I'm like clutching at straws and I'm like I'm, I'm as bad as the kids then 
So like I'm totally <laughs> like like a Fallout character. Well, I, or almost something. we we almost had we we almost had a beautiful <laughs> moment there where we where we had you know uh, a perfect agreement because yeah. Um, there is this ongoing violent debate happening between me and, and Liam from the <laughs> you and somebody else. Yeah, yeah, it's it's mainly him. It's mainly him because he mm-hmm. just doesn't have the sense to agree with me. <laughs> <laughs> I think that if you had to slice it in half, you would start mm-hmm. it with the fall of Rome in the fifth century, and yep. and he says nah, nah. He is as late as the Renaissance. He believes everything, and I just say that just blows my mind, right? In the sense that I mean, we live closer to the building of of sorry, we live closer to to um to Cleopatra in history, then Cleopatra lived to the building of the Great Pyramids, right? So ancient history is, is it's your mama big, right? It's huge. So I just yeah. don't know why they need so much freaking real estate, why they get to have everything. Yeah. And and modern just gets the shit that's left over after the Renaissance. I just don't think that's, I would put it with the, like I said, with the fall of Rome, because like you say, even though it starts to really wind up with the uh, maybe industrial or the scientific revolution, the enlightenment, et cetera, mm. A humans are human even when they're a toddler, you know? So I would say that that the early, like moderns really begins with the fall of Rome. And that's even though modern history is at that point an infant, it's at that point we start to see the status quo completely disrupted and everything changed. Ideas that gave way to everything that led to the Renaissance. Whereas yeah. prior to that, the ideas that existed before the fall of Rome would not have been conducive to the Renaissance. Yeah. So I think it was that moment that collapsed basically of the Western empire that yeah, oh, I, I agree. You like, and you were saying the fifth century that even if maybe the department wanted to go like halves and halves with you, you could literally just put it at year zero. Would that yeah. even be closer? You could, yeah, and you wouldn't have to you explain could. it to anyone else. It's just like, well, it just moves into a different part of the it's calendar. Just easy. It's, it's modern just now. Easy. That's the but, old one. And, and and true to form with every every government department, you can't get a straight answer on this because according to the syllabus, ancient history covers the even the crusades mm. but modern history sort of um starts sort of with the renaissance um but then you've got other other versions of the same in the same company in the same qcwa saying separate things when it comes down to units of overviews and stuff it's just so convoluted yeah. i even had one friend and i won't name him because he'll probably listen to this podcast but he was he blew my mind i'm not even gonna i'm not even gonna get, call him a, a bad name but he said that he believed that the modern age and this is an educated man he believed the modern age started with the french revolution now i should <laughs> stop laughing and i said to him are you 100 are you telling the truth do you really believe that he said yes i do and i just went okay i think this conversation's done like <laughs> that's what the textbook says <laughs> this is an educated man I'm, and I, he's going to bring this up with me now he'll be most upset but i didn't name him so we're all yeah. good could be anybody you can tell could be anyone it could be anyone just write it in the comments <laughs> Call him out. I'll, tell, I'll tell you after we stop recording who it was <laughs> yeah. rightio let's go into the fun round before mm-hmm. that all started with me saying i'm not going to call it the lightning round by the way that's that whole tangent tangents are a sign of a healthy mind and a good conversation exactly and this is what people are listening for when they're you know they're doing their pb you know there's somebody probably doing their pb at the gym who was who couldn't do it because they were laughing so much just then they yep and or and, they and were going so away. frustrated on the debate going yes yes i agree with chris <laughs> well i actually want your i want your listeners to actually respond i actually would like to hear what their thoughts are on yep. when ancient ends and I, I never realized when this when I brought this question up, that it would be so polarizing for people. It really does open a can of worms with, with some people. And if you're like me and it's for you, it's important, then, then it really opens a can of worms. So jump yeah. on, is it you're on Instagram mainly? Hey, yeah, like, yeah, I'm on Instagram. Yep. So that would be a yep. good, 
a good spot to do it. Yeah, jump on jump on HSC Podcast Instagram and tell us what you think about ancient and modern eras starting and ending. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure like you're going to share this this um episode as well, so you could comment yeah, yeah, on that yeah, one yeah, as well. Yep, chuck it on the modern history wherever, and we will we will share answers and see what we get. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> okay, question one: most influential person of the 20th 21st century so last 120 years oh well there's been no one you know no one really you know i mean probably i would say andrew tate and but I, the only, <laughs> joking, but um andrew tate's pizza was probably more influential but um <laughs> not I, an I influencer someone who influenced <laughs> the course of civilization look i thought about it there's a lot of people in that pile and i i sorted through it and people could disagree with me and it could also be very cliche and i'm sorry to do this to you but I'm going to have to say Adolf Hitler. If I had to pick the single most influential person um, at the risk of sounding dark, he's living proof that one man can make a difference um, mm-hmm. because like it changed, it changed so much more than just European politics and the way that it changed race theory. It changed, it, it changed so many things for all the wrong, all the wrong reasons. Don't get me wrong. I'm not in by any means a sympathizer. I think Adolf Hitler is probably history's biggest dickhead, but Mm. dickheads still influence history i mean we don't have to look at president trump to know that so i think that if yes if i had to pick one single person it would probably be him and because i prior to that moment i can't think of anyone who was so responsible for the culmination of national hatred because here is a, a single person who became not disliked in the same way that they used to make jokes about uh, about um, the Kaiser in the First World War, where they'd make jokes about Tsar Nicholas II or whatever. This is hatred. They hated Hitler, you know, and when I say that, when I say they, I mean the British, the Americans, it was more than just war. It was personal. And, yeah. and I think a lot of that, a lot of British hatred, at least for Hitler, came back to Churchill's very good PR stunt for how you sell Germany, uh, war with Germany. I think he did a good job of that. Yeah. Um, but not only that, he then became so universally hated immediately by his own nation state, you know, for the shame that he'd caused Germany following that. And while we, you and I, again, and any intelligent person listening knows that everything that went down between 1932 and 1945 was not solely Hitler's fault. He's the scapegoat. He was the rally point. He was the flag that was carried. Yeah. Um, and let's face it, if he hadn't have shot himself, they would have thrown him under a bus like that. Um, but yeah, with all the Russians, you know, bearing down so, on them, they would have fed him. That's them. right. I think that I think that it was Hitler the man, probably less influential, but Hitler the idea yeah. was greatly well, greatly influential to that. Um, uh-huh. And I think yeah, that's that's probably. Do you understand what I mean though about how whole we viewed him like the Allies or the or whatnot viewed him so differently than they'd ever viewed a foe before. Um, yeah. I felt anyway, the propaganda seemed more personal than in, against Hitler than it certainly was in the, in the first world war or I think war, it changed the course of war and how it was fought and how we view our opposition. Yeah. A lot more like world war two is so much more nationalized than any other war before mm. that, that mm. like world war one was the, the, like the last hurrah of the, like the great empires where it was like these monarchies having these family feuds. And they tapped into something like the like this as like this hidden power, which was the people, which was like we're going to do total war and we're going to stop, you know, thinking of ourselves as subjects. It's like you're, well, I was going to say the French, but they were already well and truly down this path. But it's like you're a British mm. person now, and like you're, you're like you're a Russian, you're like you're not a subject. So when you go into World War Two, it is really personal. It's like 
it's very clear lines on ideology and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, I want to hear. I agree with you. Do you want to hear a rumor that I heard about Hitler? I don't know if this is true. I think it is. But um, as I say in the podcast, I heard it down the pub. Yeah. Um, after Hitler conquered most of France, that was 1941, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 He meets with Pétain, the then president, and he, as you probably know this story, he gets the carriage um, brought out of storage that the Germans signed the peace treaty of, and he, he has that mm. um, very dramatically brought to force the French to sign their surrender in that same carriage that they the Germans had. And it was apparently during that time that Pétain said to Hitler, um, I'm aware that you are a huge fan of Bonaparte. And and Hitler, of course, said, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really like <laughs> Napoleon Bonaparte. Yeah. And, uh, of course, at that point, the Hitler's team were probably busy pilfering the Louvre, taking paintings of, um, of Napoleon out. And Pétain said to him, well, I actually believe that you have it in you to, to succeed where Napoleon failed. And Hitler sort of responded with, well, with what do you mean? And Pétain said, I, I believe that you will succeed in Russia where Napoleon did not. And when I heard that, when I heard that, it was on a documentary called, and it was, uh, I can't remember the name of the documentary, but it was all like the audio recordings of Hitler that, that people had not really, there's no visuals to go with them. So naturally um, most of the modern generation didn't watch, um, yeah. but it had the audio and you could hear that conversation going, ha- happening mildly there. Um, some say, well, that was the, li- that was the point where Hitler actually became sort of um, emblazoned in his quest to say, well, this is it. I know I am going to actually go forward and, 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 and smash this out and take Russia. Um, I don't actually know when Operation Barbarossa happened. What year was that? Oh, sorry. I just had to move because my laptop is literally about to die. That's no good. Laptops are best when they're working. Uh, I'm sure the listener loved all that folly just then. Can you hear me, Chris? I didn't actually hear anything. There was nothing. It was dead silent. So that was cool. Um, oh, fantastic. Yeah, magic, so I, magic trick. But yeah, no, I've never heard that story. That's... Yeah. So I don't did, know. You reckon that... he baited him? He did. I actually, he, he yeah, totally and, baited and, him. He's just like, yep. Yeah. And do it in the winter here. I'd do it in the winter. You know, yeah, you, you've got some big dick energy, Adolf. But you succeed where our little tiny emperor could not. Yeah. And when you're super close to your objective in Russia, you know, when you find the city that's called Stalin, but, you know, it's all about personalities. Make sure you spend all your time trying to crush that one city. Put all of your resources into it. <laughs> yeah. Everything into Everyone it. Everyone will love you... it. We'll love it. Yeah, that's I don't, a great idea. I don't see if you funnel all of your national resources into Stalingrad and the Holocaust, I don't see what could possibly go wrong for you, mate. Like, yeah. what a douche. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So, yep, there's your, there's your gossip. <laughs> Excellent. I'm, I'm going to definitely tell my kids that and just tell them that it's the truth. Because it's got, it's got, it's just, you heard it's just it on modern history. It has I heard it on true. modern history from the expert. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm thinking about skipping the question too, because it's about the most important date, unless you have spent some time thinking about I, it. The most important date. Yeah. Ask me because I actually, that's the Go only question I had to actually research. Go for it. Most important date of the last 120 years. I thought about it and there was a lot of things I wanted to say because I'm personally interested in them, like April 14th, 1912. And if you're clever, you'll know what date that was and what happened. But if you're not, then Google it. I'm going to have to say the 7th of November, 1917, the day that the Bolsheviks seized power in Russia. I think that, um, again, in the same way that Hitler himself was irrelevant, but the Hitler, the idea had a huge impact. I think that's what happened in Russia. As much as Lenin or even the Bolsheviks may have been irrelevant, the the idea of communism and the idea of having that state um, superpower sort of a thing with the, under the communist flag changes everything. I mean, you don't get you don't get the 20th century quite the way without that. You take away 
the you take away that date. Let's say that Stalin and the Bolsheviks are put down. The Tsarists win. Nicholas II goes on. His son. What was his son? Um, uh, I think it's Alexei. The one Alexei, that had yeah, the, Alexei, the, the bleeding. Yeah. He he becomes he becomes next emperor. We roll on. We we roll on. There's no Soviet Union. There's no spread of communism. Yeah. Like and a lot it, of those fascism like crop ups are in like a response, a response like a really right wing response of like we need to stop this workers movement. Like yeah, we've gone straight absolutely. from empires and monarchies and everything being really clear to you saying everybody's equal. Like yeah. whoa, hold on. And it's just like we need to bring in a really hard response. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that you know, I'm not saying that Sir Nicholas II was a good, a good Tsar. He wasn't. He was. No. He was. He was shit. But, but Alexei may have been alright. You know. And I, the, I, this whole idea that the idea that monarchy is poisoned because the monarch is bad is a stupid idea. If that was, if we actually took that idea and said, oh well, we have to get rid of the monarchy because we've got a shit king, then why don't we get rid of the republic because we have a shit president in America? Why don't we get rid of? constitutional monarchy here in australia why don't we tear up the constitution because we had scott morrison like you don't flip the table you just change the player and i think that that when it nicholas and this is nicholas's fault he let it get too far and as a result people began to hate not just him but the whole lot of them yeah he but spent too much time been, talking to god and yeah and his wife spent far too much time talking to rasputin <laughs> <laughs> yeah talking to the wrong people they should have been talking to each other they should have been talking Trying to yeah. work, out, work out their problems <laughs> yeah and if you're not good at something don't be the first to put your hand up to do it like when he became the leader of the what was he he became like the, the, in charge of the armed forces in the first world War. <laughs> oh yeah yeah an emperor leads from the front and it's just like you have any experience no this, but no, the, I've been to, I'm the I've been to tape the and I, I've been to tape and I got a certificate in how to how to load this old rifle. But yeah, yeah. I think that that for me, I think is without that date, without that event, yeah. better world. Good choice, good choice. Um, question three: Do you believe history has cycles? Like the the Mark Twain saying that you know history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. But is is that an illusion in itself? Are we like fooling ourselves that like? It's just the same thing is going to happen again and again and again. Or do you think that there's still scope for a historian who has probably thinks he's seen it all, she's seen it all, to still be surprised? Um, there's a great quote, and I'm just going to uh, clarify that when I use the word men in this, I'm not referring to men as the gender, but you sort of as you know, just just for the gentle listener um, who may not like that expression. But there's a great quote that I love that says, "Strong men create." good times good times create weak men weak men create hard times hard times create strong men and i love that because it's so it would answer your question yes i believe it's secular um i think because that's so many examples in history and we're in one right now where i think that the generation before the boomers and you would know this better what are they called is it the silent generation or is the one before that well there was a silent but the big one before that is like your builders your golden generation yeah. the one that the ones that went through all the shit and were tough mm. as nails and would have been the parents who the hard would have beaten you with a, with a stick yeah. if you were doing I the think, wrong thing i think and I'm, not, that I, not that i entirely <laughs> endorse or disendorse that concept um but I think they, that generation created a really good time. And as a result, that good time has created a weak generation through the boomers, no offense, boomers. Um, their leadership and their capitalist models have created us, put us on a trajectory of a really, really difficult time. And anyone who's coming out of school now knowing that they'll never own a house um, or, or that kind of stuff, it's, it's written on the wall. And their boomers' response to that is to say, well, you've got a job, you know, save. Yeah, it's like just well, just do it. It's, 
just do it just do it like it's so it's so difficult for them so i think that we're in a time now where it's we're gonna we're verging on very difficult times and i think that particularly now we're, we're nearly 12 months deep into this uh, Russian invasion of Ukraine. We don't know where that's going to go just yet. We've got our punters placing bets on sports bet, but we don't quite know for sure exactly where that's going. I think we're on the verge of hard times. And so I think it's going to be my child, your child, that our children's generation who are actually going to have to be the strong men and women who create the next cycle. The next and so if you look, generation. Yeah. And I think that I think that it has been, I think that we've bit history's been secular since we got put on the model um, or the system or whatever you want to call it. After tribalism and after uh, after that early early stage where we where we start to see first early emperors and kings, since that since that structure that pyramid structure of power, we've been on that same cycle ever since. Do I still think there are some surprises? I don't know. I was just listening to a podcast this morning called um, "The Rest Is History," and they were talking in their review of the last year that the age of great men and women is over as such. Well, at least for the time being, and I have to agree. Charles Darwin would never, ever have cracked his theory or, or pushed that theory and written his book on origin of species. He would never have done that if he was a working class British person today. He would not have had the resources. He had, he didn't have a mortgage. He didn't have to put a cost of living that was all afforded by the estate. He married a wealthy woman, which is what a clever man would do in Victorian England. You know, the great minds of the past, people like, even Einstein or Marie Curie, et cetera, et cetera, their lives were governed by their interests and survival. Two things. So eat and sleep, repeat. Like if they've got that covered, the rest of their time is allocated to having big ideas. So the question, I guess, is not so much when are we going to have more ideas? The question is why didn't we have more then? <laughs> we yeah. should have had more then. Yeah. Um, because I, I can't see any, there are exceptions to the rule as ever, but Elon Musk, for example, you know, you know, the second richest man in the world now has been bumped off his pedestal a bit. Lost but, $200 billion I saw the other day this year. Oh, last year. Yeah. And what of it? It's, like he, dropped, it's like he dropped his wallet on the subway or something. <laughs> um, but if you look back on his life, and I don't know it overly well, and I don't claim to know the guy, he, he's been motivated by survival and, and passion. And so he hasn't necessarily had to think about the working class thoughts that most of us are governed by. So I think that, yeah, History does repeat itself. Are there some surprises? Always. But are they new surprises? Probably not. They're new for us. There's always going to be surprise wars. There's always going to be someone getting shot who's who, who we don't imagine should be shot. There's always going to be famous people accidentally dying in tunnels that no one asks questions about. Or there's always going to be these things that happen that to us is like, oh, my God. But you would have felt the same way when you were walking just down the forum minding your own business in 55 BC and someone comes out and goes, oi. Caesar's just got like 37 stab wounds in his torso. He's not doing yeah. real well. That would blow your mind living. Yeah. There. He's like, you know, that guy. That he's guy. Dead. Yeah. He's dead. And, and, and half of Rome probably would have said, Caesar who? Who's Caesar? Yeah. Like they would have, I don't like politics. Don't even know the guy, right? So, don't know why they're all talking Cockney English in ancient Rome. Yeah. yeah. You couldn't even do a good Italian accent. <laughs> no, because that would be appropriation, you see. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think it is. I think it is secular. Um, and but sometimes maybe it's more oval shaped. Sometimes we have longer chunks of flat, but then it always comes back around. Yeah. Um, last question: If you had a time machine, would you use it to change history? Yes or no? And you got to give me an answer why. You know, I haven't even seen Back to the Future. Isn't that shocking? I haven't. And even you're seen just it. like the kids that are just like, I haven't seen Star Wars, sir. I haven't seen I, Jurassic Park, sir. Oh, anyway. well, I can forgive Star Wars, but Jurassic Park is unforgivable. I have to see that immediately. Um, yeah. I don't know, to be honest, because 
you know, I don't know exactly what I would do and what I'd want to see because like, yeah, sure. I go back and I'd shoot Leonard and stop the revolution just to see what happened next. I don't know, but because I feel like I wouldn't be able to do anything. Like if I, if I'm one person and I get in and I get in Dr. Who's magic little Telstra box and I fly back to God knows when, what, what, where exactly do I focus my energy? Cause people might say, Oh, I'll go back and shoot Hitler when he was a teenager. Well, you're still going to get that same result. If it wasn't him, it would have been Joseph Goebbels or it would have been someone else. You're going to have to go back and kill everyone who doesn't like communists and who misses uh, totalitarianism in Germany. Yeah. You know, and, start two, the, and stop the first world war from happening and stop the treaty of Versailles and yeah, yeah, exactly. There's too much. Too much. You'd have to. You'd have to do. There's no one point where you could go back and push a button and change it all. I don't think. But yeah. So if I did have a time machine, yes, I would. But it would be for my own personal interest. Like I'd love to go back and just see. I mean, was Richard the first really the Lionheart, or was that just a good PR campaign? Or would I? Would I? You know, go back and 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 visit. You know, Captain Cook and you know. Oh, a little bit of rumor about Captain Cook as well. A little bit of gossip here for you again. Heard this down the pub. Here we go. When Captain yep. Cook, this is the kind of shit I'd get in my time travel <laughs> thing and go back a bit. <laughs> yeah, I want to see if this is true. When they got to Tahiti on their on their trip down to Australia, the Tahitians were um, so obsessed with iron, like that they would do anything for it. And the word on the street was is that Tahitian women would have sex with sailors in exchange for pieces of iron. <laughs> so, so, and I, I hope to God this is true because it makes me laugh every time I think about it. Cook and Joseph Banks had to create a special watch on the ship. <laughs> Because sailors were stealing so many nails out of the boards of the ship that it was actually affecting the integrity of the vessel. <laughs> the ship's just falling apart and everyone's just lounging around. And happy as. Yeah, they're happy. They're happy for the entire bloody poop deck to collapse, provided they got laid that night on Tahitian sunset kissed beach. Like, I just love that. I just like that's so human. That's such a human thing to do. But yeah, I'd just go back to see if things like that were true. That's really about it. Yeah, I would probably have to say the same thing. It's probably a little bit hubristic to say that, you know, you actually could go back and change anything really important, just like one person. But maybe just like as a fly on the wall to like watch some really yeah. amazing things, if you could like put yourself like at the Battle of Midway in a safe spot, yeah, mind yeah. you, or just something like that. In a safe spot, where, yeah, yeah, back in America. <laughs> Times when somebody wasn't there filming it with like a bloody smartphone and just watching and just being like, wow, this, this is I want to see, yeah, and again, like I said at the start, the narratives, just having chats with some of these people and seeing how human they really were. I mean, it's only after we have a celebrity, like someone famous die, like who was that Lord Byron, that his, his dirty laundry comes out and everyone goes, oh my God, like, oh, what a scoundrel, like that kind of stuff. I want to go back and, and just see who exactly I would catch in an opium den in Victorian England because I think I'd probably be quite shocked. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, we're probably going to have to wrap up there because yep. my daughter's run out of yogurt and she's been watching the Wiggles for over an hour. <laughs> I'll run out of it. I've run out of opinions to share as well. <laughs> so hopefully we can do this again in the future. And maybe is there anything you would like to tell anybody because this is kind of your, your send off sort of episode yeah. for a while. Is there anything you would like to say? I'll give you the floor for a moment. I'll, well, I'll just, I'll just say that I love what you're doing. I mean, I think it's so important that we've got, you know, not just people, but teachers as well, actually, showcasing their craft and their passion for the job so i think that that's that's good what you're doing and and you know regardless of what the future holds for podcasting in general or, or even our podcast sort of a thing if you are a listener to to um sorry i don't know what your last name is like mr what do they call you mr hamilton hamilton mr yeah if you are if you are a listener of mr hamilton's podcast or my podcast at modern history then hopefully there's enough breadcrumbs that have been dropped to make you start to swallow some serious loaves of bread because that's what we're doing this for. So we don't care if the ratings are rubbish. We don't care if if we're if you think that we're lame. What we care about is that you find a page of history that you can see yourself in. 
And as a result, you can go on to have a better chance of writing your own page one day. So that's what it's all about. So if I had to plug my show just once, I would say just check out Modern History, wherever you get podcasts. We're on Twitter as well or Instagram on the same handle, but we are not on TikTok. Never will be. <laughs> and thank you so much for having me on the show, mate. It's been, this is the first time I've ever been a guest on a show. And yep. You know, knees weak, palms are sweaty. There's vomit on my sweater already. It's not mum's <laughs> spaghetti, um, but it has been. It's been a real pleasure. Really, real pleasure talking to you. Fantastic, mate. I hope, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing some of your stuff in the future, and hopefully, we can have a chat in the future. Hopefully, it's not a year from now, though. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. But if it is, then let's let's do a yearly review every year. That sounds fun. I think that sounds like a great idea. Right. <laughs> Thank you, listeners, and we'll see you you again next time on the Modern History HSC podcast.